This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's Shake Them Ropes. My name is Christopher Brino. I am back after reading some Marcus Aurelius and attempting to recenter myself, finding a point of stoicism, a calm acceptance. And with me to shatter all of that is Jeff Hawkins. Hi, Jeff. I've been watching Gino Hernandez and Tully Blanchard. So <laughs> we all practice stoicism in our separate ways. Yeah. No, it's uh. I watched the Viceland doc and I was like, well, that's it's okay. And then I decided I, I have all this. I have all this old wrestling I've yet to break out. I have some Southwestern uh, DVDs just watching Gino and Tully. And I'm like, can you get a combination of two more unlikable people naturally to form a tag team? It's pretty cool stuff to watch. Tully's kind of still in his infancy trying to find himself. And Gino isn't exactly smooth, but uh, you can see it. You can see the brattiness in both of them. And and it's... uh, well, it's endearing for me because I like those kinds of characters. So, first and foremost, we have the cleanup section before we get into NXT here. My little bit of cleanup is since the Tuesday-Wednesday show that we taped and dropped, I have received absolutely no arguments from anybody who listens to this show to keep us reviewing Raw and SmackDown, Jeff. Not a one. Have you? Um. Well, I, I think it's one of those, well, as long as one of you is watching this show, I nominate you. Cool. Second. Thanks. Appreciate that. Cats. Oh, wow. They all voted for you. Yeah. Yeah. Because they know I'm the one that's going to get the most upset about it. (laughs) And I guess apparently I'm on the hook now to start guessing the plot of Raw and SmackDown. We'll have to figure out rules. We'll We'll have to figure out rules for this. No, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. There was an episode. I went to my folks' house in Phoenix for Christmas. And so I didn't get a chance to watch um, the Raw or something like that. And and Rob goes, no, 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 this is a great uh, great opportunity. So he laid out, okay, this is the segment that, that happened. What do you think the result was? And and I'd, I'd have to guess the booking, and apparently I got most of them uh, correct in that it was very predictable once the situation was laid out. Well... I mean, maybe we'll bring that back here on Shake the Ropes when we do the Thursday, Friday show. Maybe. So, cleanup. Uh, some listeners also did notice that uh, on our NXT rundown last week, we forgot to review the uh, debut of Kushida. Oh, yeah, Kushida. We had a sentence for him. Was that not enough for people? Yeah, well, well uh, it, it violates the rules of a debut for me. I want a guy to come in strong. I want you to tell me what his moves were so I know what to root for, and I just want him to kill a guy. That's all I want want to happen in a debut for anybody. Have a guy, make a statement, I'm here, I'm great, and uh, here's what you need to know about me. Um, if I have a certain worry that the blown landing on the electrical chair spot or the electric chair spot... um 
might have soured someone. I, I do. I have a concern about that. Really? That quick, huh? Well, it's one of those things like, well, we just got rid of a Tommy. That's what I'd be more on. worried about is that Kushida has thin ice because of the failure to launch of Atami, and you kind of see where Tozawa is, and I'd call him a quote-unquote success story. Well, we don't uh, we do not do well with non-English-speaking talent, so it's one of those things where you bring these guys in who are great wrestlers, and again, they don't know what to do with great wrestlers. They know what to do with people with a hook, with a marketing hook to them. So everything will be ethnic about Kushida. And they're not going to do the time traveling angle with him. So this guy's stuck with the shell of a character from New Japan that mm-hmm. really means nothing to anyone who doesn't know his New Japan work. Right. And 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 the NXT audience, you know, they knew who Kushida was. Sure. But they didn't know it, but they didn't know his signature spots and it showed in this match. And yeah, again, knowing who Kushida is and knowing who Kushida's character in NXT is are two different things, yes. and I just think sometimes the writing on the NXT level when they're you know debuting these people, they just think, well, Shinsuke Nakamura will be able to get by by being Shinsuke Nakamura, and right. you actually need more than just that. Yeah, and and what the WWE does in their system is they look at a guy and they go, well, what does Vince think of him? Okay, that that's his marketing hook. So Nakamura is this eccentric guy in a in a michael jackson outfit you know so i mean i think it was like three weeks he was the eccentric nakamura and so so that's what you get out of him you know what is this guy oh he's if he looked at kushida what would he say he's the japanese he's a bulldog dynamo yeah you know whatever it's like okay cool yeah no, uh, I worry about Kushida, and I just worry about where his place is on this roster. Although it's a good thing that they have the North American title, because I could see Kushida getting slid into that title hunt at some point. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, shall we begin with 205 Live? Because I think we can get by it relatively quickly here. Chris, every week there's someone who ends up by accident doing double duty on two of these shows. This week was Gnome Dar's week. And you know what? I could not be happier that Noam Dar's knee injury was not as bad as once thought. Me too. I was really worried about that. And now, don't get me wrong. Noam Dar does very little for me in the in in terms of wanting to watch him do matches. Yeah, you cut me off on the second part of that end because the end yeah. was going to be. <laughs> and I am not a huge Noam Dar fan, but I do wish him well, and it was good to see him yes. get a nice warm reception in Scotland too. He needs mm-hmm. that. He needed that. Well, next week, I guess, uh, the main roster is over in the United Kingdom, and so all the tapings will be about that. So I'm fairly certain Noam Dar will be on one of these shows. Legero's going to be on 205 Live. I know you're very excited about that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I hope someone grabs his horns. <laughs> um, Yeah, I, I was intrigued by the fact that the Singh brothers – Got a squash win the week after they lose a match to the Lucha Well, are you just going to gloss over the fact that Rick Fuller has two children in wrestling now? (laughs) 
You need to explain who Rick Fuller is. All right, kids, gather around. So, back when young Novi was a kid, there was a man, a little bit of a legend, who'd show up on WCW Saturday night and also the first hour of WCW Monday Nitro, and he would fight people like Lex Luger, people like Sting, people like the laughing man Humorous, people like Goldberg. This man got in the ring with some of your favorites from WCW back in the day. And did he beat a single one of them? No. No, my friends. But he had a unitard. He had ridiculous hair. He had a beard. He was Rick Fuller. And he was one of my favorite jobbers. Now, now, did Rick Fuller, he fought Hugh Morris, but did he did he actually put up offense against Hugh G. Rection? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But if you were looking for the poor man's answer to Gary Albright, in the 1990s, you needed to look no further than Ric Fuller. No, it, it's just, it, it's an odd move. I, 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 I like it because I think the Singh brothers need some, you know, after being paired with, with, uh, uh, it was just I an always... odd beat, you know, after being paired with former, former champion of the main roster on SmackDown, Jinder Mahal. Jinder Mahal. Thank you very much. No, I, I think the Bollywood boys really needed to be kind of rebuilt. Uh, the Singh brothers, who are kind of working in between the Bollywood boys and the Singh brothers at this point. We need to see what they're going to be about on this brand, and I think that this was a, a fine match. It's just a weird beat. It's like what happened last week should have happened this week, and what happened this week should have happened last week, and if you did that, it would have been totally fine. Chris, we need to explore what is my mental block about not being able to remember Ginger Mahal's name. I don't think it's really all that hard. You're just trying to forget that for months months on end, WWE tried to inflict Ginger Mahal on all of us and convince us that that guy was a top-of-the-card guy. This is like three weeks in a row where I blanked on Ginger Mahal's name. I don't understand it. I think it's. I think now it's become a Look, part of my. Look, you are trying to hinder gender. I think that's pretty clear. <laughs> um, Arya Davari beat Noam Dar, as previously stated. I am no. Uh, you know who lost hard though in this match was Tony Nese versus the microphone. The microphone just kicked his whew. ass for what seemed like an eternity, and I was like, "Stop, just, stop! Tony's already dead." And the microphone just kept coming at him, and he he just couldn't handle it. He's coming off as two aw shucks. He doesn't know his character at all. No. This guy is a guy who is having to think every single time before he speaks. And he went three sides of a two-sided issue on Arya Davari. Arya Davari hasn't done anything. Well, I'm not trying to take away from the things that Arya Davari's done, but he also hasn't done anything. He sounded so stupid all throughout this match, and the commentary team was doing their damnedest to help Tony Nese out with loaded questions, set-up mm-hmm. questions, questions that have obvious answers, and Tony, oh, they just elude him. They just yeah, elude it, him. It, it, it was, you know, I, I just, the one that stuck out with me was like, uh, I mean, literally, Vic is grasping for straws, so he goes... How how did it feel to win in your hometown? Oh man, it felt great, and especially in my hometown. And I was just like, you're just repeating the stuff he's feeding you back to him. Now I'll give one positive. I liked when when Arya would come out and you know confront him, and it didn't break down into a fight. And 
and and um, niece is saying, look, you need to concentrate on your match, not on me. I liked that. And I liked the end. I liked the wraparound was a- good. The whole thing yes. of I could have attacked you at any point throughout this match, and that's the whole reason I was out there. That's great. I love that. The problem is, you know, we, we didn't want him in the goober chair sitting outside the ring. We talked about how bad that looked optically. And then we put him on the microphone, and that was somehow worse. So this guy, look... I like Tony. I think he's a gifted wrestler, but man, things are not clicking with this title reign at all. No, and um, on a show that needs personality, the guy on top needs to have a lot of it, I think. You know what I think that they've done that is interesting on this show, and I think it's a real mark in the positive column, is they have set up two credible challengers for whoever comes out of this title match coming up at Money in the Bank. Because we now have Tozawa heated up, and we now have Arya Davari heated up. Well, we also have Umberto Carrillo. And Carrillo Umberto heated up, too. Yeah, right, right. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, we have, we have different things that, that, you know, that are positives here. And the wrestling is still very good on this show. Yeah, right? sure. I mean... Uh, you know, I really liked the Tazawa match. A lot. I really did. Oh man, that there were some really great spots in that. The part where they were scrumming before they went through the double table, that was great. And the double table spot was awesome. The senton with the chair, awesome. Great selling by Mike Canellis. This is a good match. Uh, you know, yeah, and, not, and the crowd not, got into it too. I, I, it's not even. This is a good match, and the crowd wasn't really into it. They are into it. They, they, these people are frankly probably a little bit starved for some good wrestling. Well, I, I think the people were into it as soon as a table got brought out sure um yeah mike canellis um you know he had a good match i i just my, my issue with mike is he's not again he's not setting the world on fire with his personality on this show and neither is maria they just don't have a real interesting character that's going on right now thing. that's the weird one because i know maria has personality and and she's shown it many times this, this is almost this act could have personality right they yeah. just don't I, I liked mm-hmm. I will say another positive in this column was the opening promos from everybody I, I think you know yeah. the Brian Kendrick his pairing with Tozawa it's really good I, I, I think that you know Tozawa is actually plenty good at speaking and doing his own promos but the Brian Kendrick has added a nice little wrinkle into Tozawa's character that I think is good I don't care how many times he does it I don't care if it's a trope the mean mugging that turns into the big crap-eating grin, I will mark for that every time. Yeah, no, it's very funny. I like it a lot. So, shall we move over to NXT UK? Sure. All righty. So, this week, we began with Mustache Mountain, boo, defeating the Hunt. Yeah. In a match that was uh, really kind of a tragedy that went over nearly seven minutes and 30 seconds. Shake them ropes, uh, official mascots, wild boar Mike Mike Hitchman, and uh, and the primate. What's his? They they've dropped their name. Jay Melrose. Jay Melrose, Jay Melrose is his name. Right. I, I'm pretty sure I didn't catch it, but I'm pretty sure somewhere along the way, Mustache Mountain cheated. I uh, I liked this for what it was. Look, I I view the hunt in the same vein as I view my love of the New Zealand militia. Jack Victory and Rip Morgan. They're that mid-card geek team that I just love for some unexplainable reason. No, but these guys are also good wrestlers. Like, these guys are good brawling wrestlers. I love the primates, like, floor slap, 
clothesline, that Donkey Kong-style clothesline. I'm into all of that. I, I think they've got great fight. I just love the way that Melrose waylays on people. And I'm realistic about where these guys should be sitting on the mm-hmm. card. However, I will also say that I have some intrigue in the hunt scaring the shit out of the grizzled young veterans. Yeah, I, I, I had some intrigue about that, too. I, I wanted... um, I like that they gave the hunt some offense here, especially in the second half of, of the match. Yeah. I really was enjoying their offense. There was a part of me, and I know this sounds absolutely stupid... But when the grizzled young veterans came out there and they had they had uh they had injured Amir Jordan, I wanted the hunt to answer the call. I really did. You know, trying to make up for their loss. Um I wish they hadn't played up the winning streak thing with the hunt, because it just reminds you that they're never gonna get more than two wins in a row. Yeah, and this would have actually been kind of a good victory for them to pick up. And you could have done it. In a way that protected Mustache Mountain. That's one oh, of the I'm nice things. I'm not going to go that far. I see I, I, I don't, I don't... see. I want them heated up. And whereas I don't have a lot of intrigue in a revisitation of Mustache Mountain versus the Grizzled Young Veterans at this time, the hunt versus the Grizzled Young Veterans is new. So I, yeah. I do actually see a play strategically for them to pick up the victory to get them in line to be title contenders. Well, for me, you don't put them up against Mustache Mountain. That's all. also Mustache true. Is, I wouldn't have done this. Too far over. I yeah. want, you know, I'd want a couple more weeks of either squash matches, and then I'd get to Mustache Mountain, or or I'd have them beat Jordan and uh, and and Williams. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I would have had them do the angle. I would have had them be the ones who beat yes. up. Yeah, Williams and Jordan. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm fine with that. Um, look, I, I'm always gonna be a big Hitchman fan. I thought he w- did some good stuff in there. I like, I like the hunt. I, you know, this tag team division isn't exactly stacked, so, you know, you can rebuild them. I just think it was a little bit too soon to, you know, knock I them mean, down. You're, you're you're playing up. They've had two strong wins in two weeks, or or two wins in a row. Mustache Mountain is just too powerful to put them up against right now. To to have them, really, I mean, you you can build up to the Mustache Mountain match. So no, who they should have been up against this week is. An oddball team of two mid-carters. Yeah, or you could do, um, I mean, you'd always throw in Webster and uh, and Mandrews. But, yeah, yeah, but I was even something like too. Mark Andrews and some other guy on the roster. You know what I'm saying? Some other mid-carty dude. Joseph Connor and somebody. Yeah, yeah, actually, that that's perfect. Joseph Connor and you could even have the oddball tag team, like Joseph Connor and Mark Andrews, where they don't really get along, and that leads to Mark Andrews getting sacrificed to the hunt. Right. So, something like that. Uh, we have a qualifying match for a number one contender's fatal four-way between Joe Coffey and Flash Morgan Webster. Joe Coffey, way, way over. Flash Morgan Webster, basically the heel here. I, I liked Flash Morgan Webster showing some swag. I would have liked him to even play further into the heelishness for the purposes of this match. Mm, yeah, because they were getting the hometown pop for Gallus here. Yeah, right. And Webster's character, that mod father thing, you know, he's a little bit of a punk. And a punk mm-hmm. revels in being the villain, even when you're not you're not a bad person. But if people are going to go ahead and hate you anyways, a punk's mentality is, okay, I welcome your hatred. Come on, bring it on, baby. I, I understand the logic behind a fatal four-way in that you want to get title contenders in there, but you only want to pin one of them. 
But you can always throw in an extra match and ha- actually have a contender. It, it makes no logical sense to do a fatal four-way when you could just have a tournament. Yeah, tourney it. I, 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 they overthink these things sometimes, and especially these multi-man like fatal four-ways or whatever. When they're for like a number one contender spot, they're always okay matches, but. I don't know, man. There's just something well, to be said. Action, action, yeah. action, 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 action. I know. Yeah, I yeah. know. It's, it's trying to keep, you know, the fans into it. But, uh, you know, I mean, Joe Coffey is a guy who you beat him and then you rebuild him up and then you beat him again. So, I mean, I, I'm fine with him winning here. And and they're not ever going to put the main belt on a guy like the Mod Father. You know, he's more in line for a secondary title or or a or a light heavy or a, you know like a 205 title but yeah uh, or the tag titles at some point yeah, they introduced yeah. like the UK tag titles that sort of thing yeah absolutely mm-hmm. then after that we had a promo in the ring this kind of parallels a little bit what happens on NXT too um not quite the same thing obviously a little dynamic difference between Gallus and the undisputed era but we do see just a little scotch of tension between, see what I did there, between Joe Coffey and Wolfgang. When Wolfgang starts talking about Walter, uh, or I'm sorry, Dave Mastiff, and Joe Coffey's like, no, 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 no. Joe Show, Joe Show, this is my kingdom. Yeah, I, I, uh, I guess, you know, they need to do something with Wolfgang. He's been around. And in this galaxy, he's always been kind of the third wheel. I so, And uh, I think that they are starting to illustrate that you have the brothers... And then you have Wolfie. And mm-hmm. in this pyramid right now, Wolfie is the bottom block. Yeah, and I could see I could see Wolfgang getting beaten down by the coffees and then a guy like uh De- um uh I want to call him uh Emo so bad. What what's his name in uh the the, the kid from uh from Sanity. Oh god. Scott- oh, uh not Emo, uh the the hairy one, right? Yeah, the hairy one. Well, that that was his name on the uh on the on the indies was emo. Oh. I, I thought it was the hairy one. It wasn't the hairy. Dane, Killian Dane. Dane Killian Dane. There we go. Thank you. Uh whoever was yelling at your phone just then while I stumble for another name again. Yeah, I get that that actually makes a lot of sense. That would that would be And then and then yeah. you just get big beefy guys beating the hell out of each other. Although And then that fleshes out be, our tag yeah. team division a little bit more too, mm-hmm. right? Like especially if we're not going to get the belt onto Joe Coffey anytime soon here and there's no right. reason to with Walter, then there makes there really is no sense in Gallus being a trio because as you and I have discussed since the beginning of this, what is their reason to try? Why are they doing anything? So now we move on to Nina Samuels versus Casey Owens. This is just a quick little squash, and then Nina Samuels cut a promo in the ring. I liked that promo. I thought that was fun. Okay, you liked it more than I did. I'm 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 not in on on Nina Samuels just yet. I still think Ginny is a better heel. Um, okay. I I mean I I, I could go either way. I just thought that she did a a good job with the promo. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, she, she, you know what? She's fine as a, you know, villain of the month until they decide who they they want, really want to build up for Tony Storm, and Tony Storm isn't doing too much of late. One of the problems is that the NXT UK universe, I think, is just a little bit too small. Yeah, it's a little too small. Uh, the weekly television has made everybody kind of beat each other, so we've kind of seen. All a these pairings, yeah, I, and, and, and because they spreed us with, like, 24 episodes in 12 weeks, they really exhausted a lot of these pairings. Yeah, when they were doing the two-a-week two, two a week stuff, 
It was a little ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, over two weeks, you'd sometimes see variations of very similar matches. Um, just... But I still like the idea of bringing people over from NXT to NXT UK. And, Absolutely, and, and vice covers. versa to the, the flesh things out. Sure, mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot. You know, Raul Mendoza, he he could go over there and certainly just add some fresh pairings over on that. Riddick Moss in that new character, I think he could go over there and add some interesting persona. But but first, I want to talk about the NXT UK Tag Team Champions, the Grizzly Young Veterans. <laughs> Versus Kenny Williams and Gnome Dar. I thought that this match, for what it was, pretty good, pretty entertaining. I thought Gnome Dar was sufficiently over, and uh, I, I liked the way that the Grizzly Young Veterans eventually got the win. I think Gnome Dar would have been better served if this had been his debut for the week, as opposed to 205 Live. Him coming back in and, uh, and, uh, you know, getting the hometown pop, and then you bring him back on two hundred five next week. Yeah, but for us completists, I guess. Um, I'm I have fallen madly in love with James Gibson, or James uh, Drake. Zach Gibson or James Drake? There's you. Zach Gibson, you have you have to you, you have to choose one. You can't merge oh, them. Oh jeez, it's gonna be that kind of week. Uh, Zach Gibson, I love the guy. I'm I'm I've turned from him being kind of. An annoying tryhard to him being a really effective heel on the stick. No, no, he most certainly is. Like the whole put your shoes back on and just go home. What a great line. Yes. Oh, man. I'm, I'm not all in on James Drake. That's who I'm not all in on. But I like. I, I still like don't like the fact that they have a perfect circle knockoff for their theme song. <laughs> that's that's your thing. I don't I don't know anything about that. Uh, have you never heard the perfect circle song, Judith? Probably not. Really? Did you just like miss rock radio around the year 2000? Yes. <laughs> to be honest, probably yes. Okay. Manor James <laughs> Keenan had another band after Tool, Jeff. They're pretty good. I don't know. Check. I didn't listen to that much Tool either. Well, Tool's pretty good too. They get a little overstated and they, they create a whole cult of personality around Bill Hicks that I think has gone a bit run amok over the last 25 years. But good music. Love that band. Anima is very good. I, I I got old quick. I just decided to stop listening to new music in like 95 or something, I think. Undertow and Anima are very good. I think Anima came out in 95. You, you sh- It's too bad. You should open up the last six months of 95. That's what I'm saying. Well, it, it was more, uh, eh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't Jeff, know. I'm not saying you had to buy Lateralis to the deluxe edition. I started listening to CDs, and so it was just like all CDs of what I had already. So it was just like, eh, I'm not, I'm not gonna grow any. I don't think. I think I, you know, some pop songs, and that's about it. Because radio just wasn't popular with me at all in LA. I'm not going to grow any. All right, let's get into NXT results. <laughs> so we. St- I got Zeppelin. I can listen to. I don't need to listen to Tool. You could do. This is not mutually exclusive. You could enjoy both Zeppelin and Tool. You oh, know, no, you no, could. no. Do you did you know that Tool does a cover of No Quarter that is actually quite good? Oh, I think I've heard it. I didn't like it. Oh, well, <laughs> everybody's a hater when you're Jeff Hawkins. Bianca I, Belair I mean, has I mean, a match against me again, Jeff. Okay, I've made a cottage industry of hating things. You got to understand that, Chris. I just 
<laughs> oh, that's cool. No, I hate it. I'm just going to be contrarian on everything because that's just what I do. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's fine. Bianca Belair had a match against Mia Yim. Uh, the physics of her using the rope for leverage don't quite add up as I'm staring at this picture one more time. How did you feel about the cutting of promos mid-match? Because I'm, I'm torn on it. I think for them it's okay. Yeah, for them it's okay. I don't think it's a convention. Kind of pull it off? Yeah, it's not a convention that would work normally. And I think if WWE takes this as a lesson to build off of, that would probably be a mistake. Yeah, but they do that with a lot of people these days. So I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I find Mia Yim's run in NXT fascinating because they obviously think a lot of her putting her in various programs, flying her over to NXT UK to put people over. You know, they just don't, uh, she, she's not going to be a star. So oh, to say. And it's like not her time right now. Cause you've got Baszler and Shafir and Duke. So, and Larray and Larray. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's very much a case of, we don't quite know what to do with Mia Yim. Um, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I could also see her being one of these people who ends up kind of getting fast-tracked onto the main roster all of a sudden. Yeah. Like one week she's yeah. just no longer on NXT anymore, and she's now on SmackDown to spice things up, and she has a pretty decent run because she's still really fresh. Like She's, she's, she's gonna learning. Be that Mickey, she's going to be the Mickey James type on, on the roster. She's going to be the mechanic in there putting, you know, doing matches with Sonya Deville or, or Mandy Rose and, and putting them over, making them look good. Yeah, yeah. And then we had Riddick Moss versus Raul Mendoza. Riddick Moss's new character is a combination of Super Macho Man from Super Punch-Out combined with a little bit of Rick the Model Mart's Hell. Like he well, co- hold on. Did you see the debut of this gimmick? No. It was about one or two months ago. No. It's it's a knockoff of... Uh, There's a little bit of the Simon Diamond thing, too. Yes. No, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. It, it's a Simon Diamond gimmick. Right. Right. But it's like Simon Diamond plus like a fitness regime thing. And, and I mean, the dude looks a lot like, if you Google Super Macho Man from Super Punch-Out, he looks like the young version of Super Macho Man from Super Punch-Out, although I think in that game he's listed as like 35. Um, right down to the part where I actually wanted him to do Macho Man's like charge up and just super clothesline move on Raul Mendoza. He'd be perfect with that. So you're saying he looks like uh, former male po- porn star Randy West? I mean, I, I don't. I I'm not super familiar with Randy West's work, but uh, the, yeah, I'll take the, your word for it. The 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 super macho man slash uh, I believe the sand. He was also called the Sandman in Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Oh no no, Sandman Sandman and Macho Man are two different characters in Punch Out. Oh, who am I thinking? of? No, yeah, Sandman's on Super Punch Out as well. He's the he's the World Circuit boss. See now I gotta go. Oh, I'm sorry, he's the Major I, I, Circuit I, I, boss. I remember Super Punch Piston Out, Piston Hurricane, Piston Hurricane, and or, Piston Paul Bull. Piston Honda is on. Piston Honda. He's on Punch Out. Piston Hurricane shows up on Super Punch Out. He's in the minor circuit. Yeah, no, no. Piston Hurricane's in the in the arcade version, and Piston Honda's in the NES version, I believe. Really? They yeah, they had Hurricane yeah, Super Mach Super Macho Man in the uh, oh Super. You're thinking the NES version of Super Macho Man. Uh, I, no, was I, the, I, uh, I even see the Super Nintendo one. I, 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 I mean, Rick Moss doesn't have the gray hair, but like, I, they're... Well, that's where I got the Randy West yeah. gimmick from. Um, 
I am kind of done with Riddick Moss, to be honest with you. I uh, I was expecting him to go over here. And I was too. more than happy for Raul Mendoza to get a strong win. I fear him going 50-50. I hope that's not the case. Raul Mendoza has been really good for WWE ever since the Cruiserweight Classic, and they've done nothing with him again, probably because he's ethnic. Super underappreciated, though. Like, another company would go, wow, isn't it great that we have this very talented guy from Mexico um, who, like, actually speak to a demographic that we historically have not been great with? Um, But but WWE... But you saw a clue to what they think of him on commentary when they said, you know, he's a luchador style, and I just went, oh, that's a kiss of death. Yep, yep. And, I, you know, I loved it. I thought Moss was going over. Um... Riddick Moss, to me, look. I like the body. gorilla press into the spine buster. That was a cool move. He has power guy moves. He just doesn't have a lot of personality. And Tino Sabatelli was most of the personality in that tag team of theirs. And I'm just, I'm just flummoxed as to, this is a guy that needs a, a, a mouthpiece for him. Absolutely. And he, just needs, and he just needs to be a guy who beats people up as opposed to doing, I, there are two there are two gimmicks of death in uh, in in wrestling in the WWE that you'll find. The first is anything having to do with either fitness or being out of shape. The other one is imitating other wrestlers. I if I'm Riddick Moss, I'm t- I turn off my phone. Ooh ooh, you're worried he's gonna get Bull Dempsey'd. Yeah, I just I mean. There's nowhere to go with this character. No, no, there sure isn't. It gets the boo, this is lame kind of stuff, as opposed to, you know, what it would get normally. And what's really weird is the way that Morrow was presenting it as Moss was coming down to the ring. It's, frankly, like, kind of empowering. This guy came up with the Riddick Regimen when he had this injury because he wanted to get back in this regimen that he came up with help him get back faster. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. an inspiring story. It just is. Even if he's a dickhead, that's still, that's cool. That's a story about empowerment. That's a story about taking your life back from circumstances. That's a story about hard work. That's a story about yeah, self-confidence. And, and now he's going to be a heel. Right. Yeah, right. He's a heel. <laughs> That's not admirable. Let's let yeah. You know what's admirable, Jeff? What's admirable is storming into somebody's locker room and spying on them while they're in the shower and putting icy hot into their underwear. Well, that's what you do in the penitentiary. Yeah, that all jails are ba- based on that kind of a uh, towel snapping grab assery. Oh god, they're going to be the Ozso soon enough here. <laughs> Oh, that popped me. I hadn't <laughs> thought of that fun. That was great. So next, we had Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole. And at least to me, this was a really, really interesting contrast in match approach for Matt Riddle versus the Velveteen Dream match. I thought that Matt Riddle was doing a really great job working as a babyface here and taking his style, which tends to be more submission-oriented, and switching more to cool-looking strikes, great-looking suplexes, firing up, and and, and he was very babyface here, but still very much within that MMA style. I thought this was pretty solid for Matt Riddle. I was more amazed at how underwhelmed the crowd seemed to be at this match. 
I think they were waiting for a shoe to drop, no pun intended, with Matt Riddle. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's one of those things where if it's in front of, say, an NXT live crowd, that th- this crowd is going nuts for it. It just it felt kind of, I, I won't say dead, because there was plenty of great audience interaction in it. It just felt like it underwhelmed a bit to the crowd, and I didn't understand why. And my maybe, only maybe diagnosis on, is the anticipation. The tapings or something. That, that could also be it, too. And, and, and you're also wondering, okay, how's Roddy going to be involved in this match? Or how is this yeah. match going to play into that grander undisputed? Right, run in. right, absolutely. I, I think that that was what was saying the tone here. So what you knew you weren't getting was the Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole takeover match. And, you know, takeovers right. tend to be a little bit of a blessing and a curse. And they're a blessing, obviously, because they are wonderful fruitions to well-thought-out storylines that have beginnings, middles, and ends, and they're the ends to chapters, and they're they're great. But the, the curse of them is that we also know that, like, that's where the chapter end is, so we, we know better than to just sort of assume that Adam Cole versus Matt Riddle is something they're just going to give us away on television. Yeah. I, I, I like the match, though. What do you uh, think of continue. the angle at the end? I think they're going so hard that it's become a red herring. Yeah. Uh, the beef between Roddy and Adam Cole feels not real it feels contrived although it also feels like they're gonna do the schism where it's gonna be roddy and bobby fish breaking off and kyle o'reilly and and adam cole having their own thing that's interesting that's interesting i definitely saw the way bobby was looking at roddy and i thought that was interesting but it also feels like they're gonna do that they're gonna put the two those two teams to get against each other with like a third team and then it's gonna be like a dusty beatdown. Oh, that's funny. Because yeah. they're going too they're going too hard on the breakup angle. That that's the weird thing. It's like week after week after week it, it becomes Well, you know, Roddy didn't do anything wrong here this week, and it seems right. like almost impossible that Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish as the eyewitnesses couldn't explain to Adam Cole, Hey man, Roddy didn't do anything. And then it seemed weird when they were like looking at Roddy like, Man, what are you doing? What were you doing yeah. out here? And it's like he was trying to help, and all he did the, was help. The emotions don't fit the actions. actions. Absolutely. The plot points and the plot notes and the match notes themselves. Like what would have made a lot of sense here is when Roddy is picking up Adam Cole, and this is what I thought we were going to get, one of the two of them gets out of the way and like leaves the other one to take the beating. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and then there's like this question of like, oh, is that a deliberative action? Or was that just instinctual and that creates tension between Roddy and Adam Cole? That wasn't what happened, though. Yeah, I, I don't I, I'm not the biggest fan of, of the uh, I like the slow burn telegraphing of a breakup like uh, when, when, when Luger was brought in for the horseman and then and then Tully just makes an offhanded remark about. Holy snot-nosed kid. And you know that's the moment that's going to ignite this. And then it becomes, you know, and, and then it just kind of grows from there as opposed to, you know, they almost come to blows one week and they almost co- come to blows the next week. And then eventually they come to blows and then they, they say, oh, it was all a trick or whatever. That, that uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested that I still... I still think it's too soon to break them up. I agree. 
I mean, I, I think they need to be brought up as a unit onto whatever show they get brought into. I have a sneaking suspicion it's going to be a 205 Live. Um, but I, I think they work better as a unit right now, as individual parts with individual personalities within that unit, much like a great stable should be. But, um, yeah, I, again, my main problem with it was the actions didn't fit the... Uh, um, or the emotions didn't fit the actions. One last plot point this week from NXT US was the fact that the Viking Raiders were beaten down by the Forgotten Sons backstage, and then the Forgotten Sons drove off in their Silverado. I found this kind of cool. It was okay. I liked I liked the beatdown. This is what this is what this is what the Forgotten Sons should be doing to everybody. Yes. I, I, it's, it's okay. I, and if they had been doing this a lot, like if they had kind of had an MO of ambushing people backstage for the last several months, that really would have been all they needed in terms of characterization. They should be a biker gang that acts like a biker gang outside of the ring. And in doing so, they're going to take advantage of people backstage or walking around on their own. Because they just... feel like they've been forgotten. They feel like they've been wronged <laughs> by society. I was just going to say because they're a gang, Chris. Yeah, and they're a gang. <laughs> but this whole thing of them having a chip on their shoulders, why are they doing all these things they don't have justification for? What's their heel logic? Their heel logic is that this way people will remember us, Jeff. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take. I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, that's all. I, I mean, it's not. It, it it's at least a step in the right direction. <laughs> I'm willing to go with that. See, like here's the thing, Jeff. I was able to watch three hours and, and not feel like dumber for having watched these three hours, even though these were not the greatest episodes of 205 Live NXT UK or NXT US. Well, wait in, wait until the wild cards go go there, Ugh. and then we're we're just we're just stuck with. Uh... You had to say wild card. You had you had to say it. I. Uh, if I Joseph Connor coming to NXT, if I never hear <laughs> the word wild card or the phrase wild card ever again, oh man, oh man, it'd be good. Well, that will do it for this episode, I believe. Uh, we also had a Patreon episode drop this week. Chris and I did a live watch of Starcade 1992 Battle Bowl. You can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. Also, Don't Worry has a new episode out. So go on to iTunes, go on to Stitcher, and subscribe to Don't Worry About the Government. Follow us at DWATG. Don't Worry.TV is our homepage. All in the Family has a new episode out, too. So go and check that out. We're now on to season three, which is real fun. 1972 is the year in question now. So go and check that out at allinthefamilypodcast.com. 